Welcome. Welcome to the porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. Examining the Word of God, focusing on the book of Acts Church, seeing how they serve the Lord, and following their example. The Porch Online Bible Study has always been about taking a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God, because we need that today. Our desire has always been, from day one, even all the way back to the home church we had in Tallahassee, is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deep into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the man-made one. The church age is not over, and what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that and you believe that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and you want more, you're welcome to join us on this journey. If you have any questions, visit FirefallTalkRadio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, one word, lowercase, at FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you will, there are ways to do so on the main page for FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you need any more information, just reach out to us. We'll be glad to give it to you. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all the listeners from our various streaming platforms, where we encourage you to subscribe so that you can know when a new podcast has been posted. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the porch. Thank you for being a part of my life, whether personally or vicariously from wherever you are. If you need prayer, you want us to pray for you, let us know. We will plug you into the porch community or put your prayer request in the email blast that go out. Even a praise report. If you have something really great to get people encouraged and edified, let us know. We care about you. Continuing prayer for the Maui people, Lahaina. Over a thousand people still missing, most of them children. They may never be discovered now, they're saying, because the um, bodies are so burnt, they're just ash, they can't get DNA. So please pray for them, pray for those parents, pray for the people that have lost everything, and pray for every hidden thing to be exposed, a lot of it going on. So, Father, we come to you directly. We come right into the throne room, crying out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we love you. We love you. We worship you. You are awesome. You saved us. You sent Yeshua to die for us. You wanted to be back in right relationship with us. You wanted to fellowship with your children once again, as you did with Adam. And we long for the day when we won't do it long distance. We will be there with you, seeing you, hearing your voice echoing through our head, through our very being. We are in awe of you. You are majestic. You are wonderful. Lord, Adonai, I don't 
Don't know the words to say sometimes when I think about what you've done for me. I did not deserve it. I wouldn't have done it for me. But I'm so glad you're not me. And you did. You gave me back everything I threw away. You washed away my sins. You blotted them out of the book. And I will spend eternity with you and with all of my family and brothers and sisters that are up there that will be coming in that time forever. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for rising from the dead, showing the world that you aren't just a teacher or a prophet. You are the Messiah, Hamashiach. You are the Savior, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know you're doing what you are called to do, but I thank you for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that you offer us from the Father, from the Lord, that you walk with us. You don't condemn us. You correct us. You convict us, but you don't condemn us. A voice of condemnation is not yours. So thank you. Thank you for the teaching. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we just come before you and we ask you to bless us, our homes, our families, our pets, our possessions. Bless all of the technology. Bless everything we have. Cover us under the shadow of his wings. Lord, send your angels. Heal us in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Let your blessings flow so that we can go and do what you've called us to do. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them and protect them and guide them and show them the way to you before the end, before the horrible things that are happening, going to happen, happen. So, Lord, do whatever you want to do tonight. Say whatever you want to say. Use me. Touch your children. Change them. Heal them. Bless them. In Yeshua's name, amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Recently, I did a uh, Bible study, a porch session called Testimony, where I shared aspects of my testimony because my family and I had just experienced a tragedy. And it triggered some things, brought some things forward that had been suppressed or buried or hidden away in a box. You know, like you save things, but you don't want to throw them out. You put them in a box, you put them in a closet, and they gather dust. Well, it all got brought up. And if you want to understand what I'm talking about, go back and listen to that. And recently, um, fellow SRT member Joe Citrone and also Greg... a camera man and SRT member, both asked me the same question. They asked me how I was doing. 
And the best honest answer to that is, is what I said, I am standing, pressing on, keeping going. Some days are better than others, but the Lord is still on the throne, so it's all good. Standing, no matter what, in the midst of it all. In the, in the midst of the trauma, the tribulation, the pressure, the attacks, the efforts of this fallen world to beat us down. Standing. David understood it. In Psalm 69, verse 2, he says, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I've come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. He's saying deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. And it feels that way sometimes. I'm not going to fool you. I'm never going to um, lie to you. I'm never going to water it down, filter it. I'm, I'm always pretty open, pretty raw, sometimes more than people like. But that's who I am. But when you can't find your footing, and you're slipping all over the place, or you're sinking, stand still. Know that he is God. Seek him. Because the more you struggle, the deeper you sink into that mire. Catherine Booth, she was the co-founder of the Salvation Army along with her husband, William Booth. She was known as the mother of the Salvation Army. And this is what she said. And I really, really am glad I found it. She says, the waters are rising, but so am I. I am not going under, but over. If you've never ridden waves, I used to do that when I was younger. I used to go to uh, the beach, either Rockway, more often we'd drive out to Jones Beach on Long Island, and we'd body surf. And it was fun. You'd catch that wave just right, and it takes a little time learning how to do it, you can't, and it just pulls you to the top instead of pulling you under. Well, there was one time, and I know I may have shared this over the years, there had been a, a storm out in the ocean, like a hurricane, bad, bad storm, and so the waves were huge and powerful, and I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to body surf. So I did a couple, got a couple of good ones, and then there came a huge one. And I mistimed it. And instead of getting pulled up on top of it, it curled me under and slammed me into the ocean floor. And I mean slammed me to the point that shells and and, uh, debris and sand and everything's flying around me and I'm spinning. And somehow, probably by the Lord, even though I didn't know him, but he had a plan for me, I came out of that, stumbled up onto the beach and fell down and passed out. My friends thought I was joking, but I wasn't. But the waters are rising, and because of him and because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm getting up on top of the wave. See, let the Spirit guide you. Let the Word guide you. Isaiah 43, verse 2. And this was a promise made to Israel, and since we're grafted into the vine corporately, I believe this corporate promise is for us as well. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, 
they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. I want the spirit fire. That's the flame I want. In the midst of all this, in the midst of the darkness, I need light. See, his job is to remind us of what the Lord said, of who the Lord was. His job is to walk with us. And one of those things the Lord said in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. We need to remember the facts. Oh, the facts aren't what you're going through. No, no, no. Those are the circumstances. The facts are, for us, the facts are spiritual facts, emblazoned on our hearts by the fire of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what I was trying to get across last week when we talked about being fearless out of Second Timothy chapter 1. You know, as a reminder, if you, if you don't remember or you didn't listen, um, Paul's writing a personal letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's allowing us to learn from it. Now, let me set the stage. Paul has spent three years in Ephesus, and he has built the church that is exploding. But the Spirit tells him to move on, and so he picks Timothy to run the church, who's younger than all the other church leaders. Well, that's what First Timothy is about. Second Timothy is about a church that's no longer exploding, it's imploding. Paul's gone to prison, Nero's arrested him, it's going to kill him. People are abandoning Paul, they don't want to be associated, they don't want to be threatened, they're they're jumping Timothy's case, they don't want to listen, people are leaving. And so he writes him and it says, from prison, I thank God to whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, they were Messianic Jews, and I am persuaded in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Timothy's going through it. And Paul's saying, remember who you are. Remember where you've come from and what is inside of you. That Greek word, stir up, I told you last week, means to kindle up the fire, add fresh fuel to it, fan the flames. Well, you need that fire. You need the flames. You need the fuel to move you. You need the flame to cauterize the wounds that this event has caused in you. And eventually, if you've let it go on too long, you need the flames to burn things off of you. Because the enemy, 
is always going to take advantage of those moments. Well, they helped create them, first of all. That's why they're taking advantage of them. Supply and demand. They create a demand and then they supply it. Gee, it sounds like a political... No, I won't go there. Anyway, but fan the flames. Start telling yourself, reminding yourself of what he's done for you. Simple miracles, big miracles, whatever it is, your salvation... Do not wallow in those moments, which is exactly what we want to do. Been there, done that. Let me crawl up into a fetal position. Leave me alone. No, remind yourself what he's done for you. Remember who you are. Be confident in God's protection. Be confident in his direction. Because I'm going to let you in on a secret. No matter what it is you're going through, no matter how bad it is, if he allows it, he's using it to refine, strengthen, and prepare you. But I always struggled with that when I was a baby Christian. But as I've gotten older and learned along the way, he doesn't do it. But he allows it. We make choices. We create ripple effects. There's a lot of different things that can cause something to happen. But he allows it. And he's going to use it to refine us, get that dross out of us, strengthen us, and prepare us. See, Paul, the Apostle Paul, understood this. And he taught it from experience. Let's go to Romans And even though it's the first book of the epistles, the letters, it was actually the last one he wrote. Romans chapter 8. Let's start with verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, capital H, who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, The Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And here we go. This is what I was building up to. And we know that all things work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are called according, who are the called according to his purpose. We can quote Romans 8.28, but we have to back up and see what Paul is saying. Everything he's explained, all the sufferings, everything he's gone through has had a purpose. All things, not some things, not the things you like, not the things you want, not the things you understand, not the things that the world says or somebody says. Or No, no, no. All things work together for good, no matter how bad they are for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Paul knew what he was talking about. He had great confidence that God, who was deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his plan and purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. That's what happens. I get all excited and I talk and... yeah. <laughs> but see, let me clarify something of Romans eight twenty eight. There is a there is a there's a clause. There's a catch. You you know there always is. That promise is only for those who love God, who have been conformed to his image, who are his. Born again, written into the Lamb's Book of Life. This isn't a, a blanket promise for the world. Now, people can use whatever they're going through to learn from it. But if they don't belong to him, that promise does not apply. The Nelson Study Bible says work together for good is a reference of all things is the sufferings of this present age that he mentioned in verse 18. All circumstances work together in cooperation for the believer's good. The believer, through them, will be conformed to Yeshua, to Jesus, the Messiah, now and reign with him later. Those who love God, in fact, are those who are the called of God. See, they go together. And our love is our response to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We are called according to his purpose. And everything God does includes redemption. That's the purpose to accomplish his overarching plan. So what are you going through? What's this mire that you're stuck in? What is these deep waters that are looking to overwhelm you? Well, let me encourage you because he's not surprised by it. He's, he's surprised by nothing. No thing surprises him. He knows The end from the beginning, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's what he's saying. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens, and everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. If it's happening to you, just like it's 
happened to me and all the things I've shared with you, he knew about it beforehand, and he let it happen. Now, sometimes we tie his hands, and he has to let it happen, but then when we repent and cry out to him, he steps in. But other times, he knows what the outcome's going to be, because Romans 8.29 sets up the next phase of this understanding. For those whom he knew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he could be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. See, that's why he lets us go through these things. We're being conformed to the image of Yeshua. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This is Ephesians 1, starting verse 7, whom, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together one in one all things in Messiah, both things which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in the fullness of time. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Messiah should be to the praise of his glory. All things. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, having believed, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Any suffering we're going through right now is to our advantage no matter what it is. If he allows it, he knows what he's doing. And the seal of the Spirit on you means that you've been purchased by him, by his blood. You are his. Let me say that again. You've been marked by the blood, which is a stamp that you've been purchased by the Lord, by the King of kings, Lord of lords. And you can't see it in the natural, but they can see it in the spirit. You belong to him. If you made him Lord of your life, if you not only recognized him as Lord, but made him Lord of your life, gave up control to him, at least said that you did, you have his promise, his guarantee through the Holy Spirit that he will be with you through it. Knowing full well at the end of it, there are blessings involved. Remember, let's go back here for a second. Hopefully I don't lose my place. When you pass through the waters, he told Israel, and therefore us grafted into the vine. 
I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Nor shall the flames of adversity scorch you. Nor shall the flames of the enemy scorch you. Nor shall the flames of this fallen world and fallen world system scorch you. Nor shall the flames of the fallen and their demonic offspring scorch you. Nor shall the flame of Hasatan and those that fell from heaven with him and rule princes of various places shall scorch you. That's his promise to us. Let's see if I can find where I was. I wasn't planning on doing that. But because of what we go through, there are blessings involved. I know it's hard to see that when you're going through it. All you can see is what you're experiencing. Remember, the facts aren't the circumstances. The facts are the word. Luke 6, 22 and 23. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner, their fathers did to the prophets. Being a believer in Yeshua, being a born-again believer in Yeshua, in this fallen world, brings trials and tribulations and attacks. Now, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who are who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, is set up previously by Paul. See, whenever we quote Scripture, content and context is important. And that was a Bible study, I think, sometime last year. Content and context, understanding what was being said, where it was being said, and to whom. The audience is important, too. Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity, enmity is hatred, against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me say that again. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Messiah, he is not his. And if Messiah is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Yeshua from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. That's what you have to remind yourself. The same Spirit in me is the Spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead. 
that's one of those things you have to dig out in those moments. And in those moments, at this point, you need spiritual wisdom. You need to know how to pray. And yes, the Spirit's going to pray with you through the groanings. And if you have a prayer language, a heavenly prayer language, he will use that. And if you don't, and you don't know how to pray, and you don't even know how to be used at that moment, he'll get somebody else to pray for you. But you need to pray for spiritual wisdom. Don't make earthly decisions in the middle of a tragedy. They tell you, in, as a worldly thing, it's never smart to make life-altering decisions in the middle of a tragedy or having come out of one. Well, at that moment, you need spiritual wisdom. You need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, starting verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in Adonai Yeshua, Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The Nelson Study Bible, New King James Version, says the eyes of your understanding refers to spiritual understanding. And to to describe this, Paul uses a word picture of the heart looking out with eyes that have been brightened with divine illumination. Of course, they did not know that the heart was actually a computer stronger than the brain. So there is something going on there beyond just an illustration. What is the hope? Well, as believers, we hope in many things. But there's one hope that we all have in common, no matter what else we disagree on. The Lord himself and seeing him and being with him forever. Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Colossians 1, 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Messiah in you, the hope of glory. Messiah inside of you is the hope of glory, not just to you, but as a witness to others. You see, in him, 
we find real, true hope. A hope isn't in man. A hope isn't in systems. A hope isn't in denominations. A hope isn't in anything other than him. And the church referred to here in the scripture is not a local assembly, but to all believers. You are the church. The group that you're with is an assembly of believers. And the Jews of the Lord's time, they understood the end times was divided into two time periods. The age in which they were living and the coming age when the Lord would come to rule and reign. The millennial age. For them, the messianic age. We're already living in that age, the church age. We're born again. That's why we don't need to be here during the tribulation period. We don't need to be here during the time of Jacob's trouble. But in both of those times, he is far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named. Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world Stand in awe of him. You know, you know from listening to me, I teach on the love of God. I teach Abba. Um, But you know what? Sometimes Dad has to chastise us. And sometimes we need to remember who he is. We need to have a healthy awe and a respectful fear of him. And I can tell you in my relationship with him, which is very close, very intimate, there have been times he has chastised me for familiarity. And I've had to quickly repent of forgetting who he is. I know he loves me. But he is the name above every name. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Yeshua every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus the Messiah Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord he is Adonai to the glory of God the Father I feel like the Spirit just told me I need to give you an example of being chastised. And I remember very clearly, um, my mother used to live with us. She came down from New York. She had lung disease, and um, she didn't really take care of herself very well. And she kept winding up in the emergency room and then the hospital. And there was one night we went to visit her. And of all places, I had to use the restroom, and I started griping that my prayer had not been answered, had not been answered, that he had not done what I'd asked. And very quickly, very sternly, I heard him say, I don't do what you tell me to do. I'm not a, a vending machine 
Well, you put in your coin and out comes whatever it was you wanted. And and the the sense at that moment, what I had was, um, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Lord. Yeah, I, I let my tongue get ahead of me there. In in the evangelical community, especially the charismatic community, we see God, he's going to do whatever we say. That's not true. If whatever we pray is in accordance with his will and he wants to do it, he'll do it. So we have to understand this king that we serve, that we get to sit with, is the king of kings and the lord of lords. His name, the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven, the angelic realm, those who are on earth, the, the earthly realm, and those under the earth. Means those that are awaiting judgment. And that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, is Lord. He is sovereign God to the glory of God the Father. And when you begin to understand who he is, remember I said stirred up. Remember, while I'm standing in this flood, I feel like I'm about to be overwhelmed. Wait a second. The one who I worship, the one who I trust, the one who I love, he's highly exalted. He's got the name above every name that just at the mere mention of his name, every knee must bow. And I've made demons from fallen angels to demonic offspring bend their knee to the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus. Everything in all creation must bow. And every tongue natural or supernatural, must confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's Lord of all. Now, they may not, in the demonic realm, they may not confess him as Lord, but they will acknowledge that he is Lord. They will acknowledge who he is, but they will never confess to being in submission to him. Do you? Confess? Do you agree with? That's what that word confess. Do you agree with the fact that Jesus is Lord? Yeshua is Lord? Is he Lord of your life? Have you claimed him as Messiah? Well, then you and only you have an everlasting relationship with him. I know that doesn't sit well for some major, major abomination, uh, denominations out there. there have millions and millions of people who are not born again. But if it's you, there's hope. John 10, 28 and 29, red letters, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's 
hand. Whew. So the one you believe in rules over all creation. Angelic, demonic, earthly. Daniel 4, verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Colossians 1.16 For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Revelation 5.13 And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying. Oof, now listen to that. Let me back up here. Every, every creature in heaven, every creature on earth, every creature under the earth, even those in the sea saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Stir things up. Remind yourself of these scriptures. You can download. You can, you can uh, take notes. You can get these scriptures. You can make little sound bites of the recording. What was that he said? Yep, that's it. That's what I want to speak over me. That's what I want to hear. Why? Why do you need to do this? Why do you need to get in the Word? Why do you need to listen? Why? The Bible studies. Why? Why are they important? Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you are not feeding your spirit, it is not going to be strong enough to withstand what's coming and to fight the battle you need to fight. You need to nourish yourself. And I don't mean quick little nibbles or drive-bys or snacks. No, no, no. You need to eat. Just like we need protein in our body for our muscles and for our body to function we need word. We need the protein of the word inside of us. And, and this is what feeds that faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Martin Luther, in a sermon called Men of Integrity, said, if he has faith, the believer cannot be restrained. He confesses and teaches this gospel to the people at the risk of, of life itself. If you have the solution, if you have the antidote to sin and death, why wouldn't you want to share it? Why wouldn't you risk being rejected? Why wouldn't you let your testimony be heard? Why wouldn't you just, and I don't mean you got to get up on a podcast or a stage or a church. No, no, I mean just sitting down with people. And taking the opening when it comes to talk about the Lord or what he's done in your life. 
Romans 3, verses 3 and 4. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. So what if they don't believe? Tell the truth. Your only obligation is to tell the truth. What they do with it, it's on them. Oswald Chambers said, Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Some things have to be learned experientially. You would wonder, why did the Lord allow me to go through such a heinous event, such an awful event? Didn't he know how much it hurt? Yeah, he uh, he did. He knows. But he knew that on the other side of it, you not only would be better, you would be stronger, but he would be able to use you. What if Joseph had never been sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers? And what if, when he got there, a part of his wife had not falsely accused him, and then he was put in prison and forgotten about for two years until the perfect time when he was needed and put in a position of power that he could then prepare for the coming famine so that when his brothers and his father came to him, they would survive and the nation of Israel would go on. Better yet, what if the Lord had stopped Satan from sifting Peter? You know, I'm going to go to the death with you. I'll do it all. Lord, no, no, no. And Lord says, no, you won't. In fact, because before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And he does. He denies him three times. I don't know him. I'm not one of them. What if, what if the Lord had stopped that and kept the enemy from doing that to, to Peter? Peter would never have been able to stand up on the day of Pentecost and say and do what he did. He had to go through the fire. He had to go through that horrible experience of crying out in extreme pain and emotion. What have I done? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, the verse 6, and he will direct your path. Just trust him. Believe me, with what our, our family went through and what I've gone through over the years of being saved, and even before I was saved, I wouldn't have chosen to do those things. I've learned to trust him, even in the midst of my tears, even in the midst of all the pain, even in the midst of all the ugliness of things that have gone on, of the attacks, of the um, just horrific things that we have experienced over the years. I have to trust him, and I can't try to understand it or lean on my own understanding. Let me show you an example of that. 
a, a, a girl, a woman named Fanny Crosby, she's blind. She was blind. But instead of wallowing in self-pity, she held on to her faith in God and wrote hymns that we still sing. I am thine, O Lord. Jesus is tenderly calling. To God be the glory and blessed assurance. When Fanny was old, somebody told her that if she had been born in that day, an operation could have restored her sight. Instead of being bitter, she said, I don't know if that would change anything. Do you know that the first thing I'm ever going to see is the faith of Jesus, is the face of Jesus? I'm sorry, that hit me. I wasn't expecting that. And I've read that multiple times today, but it's the first time I said it out loud. Do you know that the first thing I'm ever going to see is the face of Jesus? See, that kind of faith in the midst of her handicap, it takes humility. There's no arrogance there. He should have healed me. I shouldn't have been born this way. No. There's humility. First Peter 5, starting verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Messiah Yeshua after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We need to take all of this stuff, all of our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our fears and problems to the Lord, to God, the Father in order to let him handle them for us and with us so that we can learn from it. And some he will completely take over. Yes, he will. I've experienced that, and so have you. But others he will allow us to work with him. Revelation. You can learn things about yourself. Hidden things can be revealed that you've forgotten about. Be sober. Be self-disciplined. Think rationally, not foolishly. Be vigilant. Be alert to the fact that the enemy's behind these attacks and there are spiritual pitfalls in life and make certain not to stumble. And that roaring lion is Hasatan. It's the entire kingdom. It's cunning and it's cruel. They attack when least expected and their desire is to completely destroy whomever they attack. There's no mercy so resist. Don't run. See, running is what gets us stuck. Running is what immobilizes us. Resist. Stand fast in the faith and the power of his name, for he will perfect us. 
like a doctor setting a broken bone. Your heavenly Father, almighty God, will mend our broken lives and make us whole. And he will establish us on solid dry ground. Let it settle us. You know, in the con- facing the attacks of the enemy, he builds a firm foundation which we can get onto, that solid rock upon which we can stand and become steadfast and immovable. Stand. The glory and the dominion. God is in control of all things in this world and throughout eternity, and he's in control of our lives if we let him. And at the end, Paul says, Amen which is how the Jewish practice of declaring that everything that has been said is true and that the hearer, the listener, is committed to putting that practice into truth. So when you say amen, you're saying, I agree. I'm going to do this. Let me close with the Psalm of David, who definitely understood what we're talking about. It's from Psalm 40. And I'm just going to read just verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Upon the solid rock I stand, all else is sinking sand. Father, Abba, Lord Adonai, we come to you in awe and reverence of who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do to redeem us and to redeem the world. Some of us have been through it and are going through it. We're standing in the mire. We need help getting out. We need a, we need a hand from above. Holy Spirit, stirred up. I speak to my brothers and sisters listening right now, and I say to the fire, to the spirit that is in with, within you, be stirred up. Be stirred up. Throw the fuel of the, the oil of the throne room upon that fire, Lord. Stir it up. And if you don't have this fire, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I pray right now spontaneously and completely by his grace, you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, filled with the fire, with the manifestation of the gifts and the tongues. Lord, we need you. We need you in this time. We need you in our lives. We need you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. We need you financially. We need you uh, on every level. We cry out to you as little children, crying, crying. Lift us up, pick us up. Look at what we did. We fell. I'm hurt. Look what the enemy did. Lord, we're desperate for you. We're desperate for all that you have for us.
We need it. We believe it. We receive it because we are going to keep standing. In Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.